Welcome to one of Kathy Frey's Motherwise podcasts. Kathy is a best-selling maternity author and award-winning international maternity consultant. During her time as a midwife, she's caught hundreds of babies, so you're in good hands. Enjoy. Hi everybody, it's Kathy Frey here from Motherwise, and welcome to another webinar podcast. And today I'm going to talk to you briefly about epidurals. So these are obviously very commonly used as part of childbirth anesthesia. The interesting thing about them, well, there's lots of interesting things. Epidurals were not designed for childbirth. It was just that childbirth adapted a surgical form of anesthesia, um, spinal anesthesia basically, and thought, well, we could use this for childbirth. And uh, so I think that's important to just bear in mind. It's not designed for childbirth, it's something we've adapted, okay. Epidurals definitely do increase your chances of needing an instrumental assisted delivery. So that's a Bontus or a forcep delivery. And they also increase your chances of needing an C-section or surgical delivery. Um, because of either failure to progress in the labour dilatation or failure to progress in the descent of the baby with the pushing stage or fetal distress. Okay. Now, the reason that those things all occur are kind of obviously a little complicated, but to give it in the most simplest terms, it's really because firstly, the fetal distress tends to come because the whole labour is lengthened right? So when you start the process of having an epidural, by the time it's sort of get your bloods done and, and then the um, obstetrician approves of it and the mother is consented for it, etc. And the, uh, the anaesthetist actually arrives and gets it sighted and gets it on board. And, and then she needs her blood pressure done every five minutes for the first little while to make sure that um, she's okay from hypotension, which is a risk factor of epidurals. And uh, then it takes a good sort of um, 10, 20, 30 minutes to actually kick in. By the time all of that's happened, typically, you know, like an hour and a half has gone by or so. And at that point, her contractions have petered away. And uh, she then needs an oxytocin drip, usually, to get going again, to get those contractions happening again properly. And, uh, and so now that baby has had two, two and a half hours of extra labor without actually having extra dilatation of progress of the um, cervix opening up. So, okay, so baby's just sort of had a bit more labor than ideally it would have liked. And then what happens is that once you get to that stage when you're fully dilated and you start pushing, um, because a lot of women on epidurals have been lying horizontally they have a higher risk of that chance being in a posterior, the baby being in a posterior lie instead of anterior, just because of gravity being involved. She's lying back instead of leaning forward, which is what women naturally do when they're in labor without an epidural. And also the baby has often not flexed their head well. So instead of being like this, they're like that. And that's not really conducive to them descending. So uh, often once the woman is fully dilated, then she's, given a, another hour or two for what we call the phase of descent and just allowing that baby just to come down a bit lower into her pelvis before she starts to push, which would happen a lot quicker um, without an epidural. That might only happen within a few minutes, but uh, we give a longer time when there's an epidural on board. 
and uh, usually once that woman is what we call it spines or plus one then we get her to start pushing and the pushing can take longer with an epidural on so that can sort of add up to you know like where you would say one to two hours for a first baby without an epidural two to three hours with an epidural would be regarded as sort of more normal um, once she starts effective pushing. So altogether, you know, sometimes those babies have ended up having a good five hours of extra labor, thus their higher chance of having fetal distress, which means their baseline of their heart rate going up, starting to have some decelerations, what we call late decelerations after contractions, um, starting to see some meconium in the liquid in the water. So things like that start to appear and, we'd, and sometimes it's all sort of weighed up and said, you know what, this baby's actually really not very happy and uh, it's probably better that we get on and deliver this baby by caesarean rather than pushing forward with that labour. Whereas, to be honest, if the mum hadn't had an epidural, chances are a baby might have been delivered or she would have more to the point not been delivered that she would have given birth to that baby several hours earlier so that's kind of why we call it the cascade of intervention and i'm not anti-epidural or pro-epidural i'm just giving you the facts on what they do okay so it's just the side effects of epidural now I'm going to go into a much deeper dive into this topic and give things a lot bigger explanation and some sort of fine tuning on things you can do and not do to help um, within my inner circle, Mother Masterwise class, where we do a, a deeper, longer dive into these topics. And uh, I'll include a link as a first comment on this feed that shows you how you can join us if you want to and uh, subscribe to the membership where you've got access to my enormous online Q&A library and all my past webinars and podcasts and our weekly live chat where you can ask any questions. So lots of really good information. But anyway, today was just like a little overview on epidurals and I wish you all the best for the rest of your week and uh, we'll see you later. Bye everybody. We hope you enjoyed this podcast today. Visit kathyfray.com for lots more free maternity information and downloads. Plus you can order copies of Kathy's books, browse through her top recommended motherhood products and check out her popular support package options. kathyfray.com <laughs>